welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, featuring your host, Angela Harders. We're committed to cultivating a peaceful world beginning right in our own hearts and homes. Together, we believe that the world is our biggest and best classroom, and the people and places in it are our greatest teachers. So I invite you to join me on the adventure of a lifetime, beginning with a conversation that can change the world. Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. My name is Angela Harders, and I am a special education teacher, gentle parenting author, and a proud world schooling mother to two amazing children, Sophia, who's seven, and Benjamin, who is three. Today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of introducing you to Charlotte Conter. Thank you so much for joining us today as we have a conversation that can change the world. Charlotte, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, to get us started, would you mind sharing just a little bit about you, your family, and your story? Yeah, for sure. So my background is actually in mental health, and I actually used to work with kids and teens and adolescents and families. Um, and then while I was working in that career, I kept burning out consistently, and then um, I ended up getting diagnosed with cancer at the age of 32. Um, and yeah, and during that time I went the conventional route and then, um, I was getting a bit frustrated and I also dove into the holistic health world. Um, so I used an integrative approach to my healing. And as I was diving into my healing, my best friend was diagnosed with cancer and she ended up passing away at 34. So at that time I was like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was the saddest I've ever been in my entire life. And I thought, okay, I can go back to that old career where I got sick, where I was like struggling, where I felt like it no longer aligned with my values. Mm -hmm. Um, or I could try something different. And I ended up leaving my career and diving into health and nutrition and, and launching like a health coaching business. And I was told I would never have kids naturally. Um, and I was able to have my two little monkeys naturally, you know, without fertility treatment, which is pretty rare, you know, after going through chemo. Um, and, wow. uh, and, and it completely changed the way I viewed the world, <laughs> which led me to homeschooling my kids. Oh my gosh. That is, that's incredible. First of all, I'm just so honored, you know, that you were able to go through so much and still have this beautiful smile on your face and be oh. here and, and taking that those difficulties and those challenges and using them to push you forward into creating something new. Like you mentioned, that's absolutely beautiful. And I'm so sorry about your best friend. I can't even imagine how devastating that must have been, you know, for you at such a young age to be dealing with, with that Mm -hmm. kind of loss, you know? Um, And um, I'm just, I'm blown away. (laughs) I feel like there's so many things I want to ask you. Um, And I could definitely relate to your story too, where you were saying about how you know, you thought about going back to that career that just didn't align with your values anymore. And and that's exactly the position that I'm in right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I'm, I'm a public school teacher. I was a public school teacher um, and I'm struggling with this because I I was a public school teacher, but I'm unschooling or world schooling my own children at home. And so I was feeling that conflict of like, 
working in this space that doesn't align with my values exactly like what you said. And then now I'm here working hard to create something new that is more aligned with, with what I believe and um, what I want to see created in the world. Um, oh, so it sounds like I got, goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> I got goosebumps. I think that's so powerful. Like, again, like it's like we get caught between a, a rock and a hard place and it's like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to stay there and complain about getting squeezed or can we rise up and create something different from this pain? Um, and, uh, I think that that's how you start changing the world. You know? <laughs> it truly is. Moments. It truly mm-hmm. is. And being able to take those difficult and challenging moments and really reflecting on, I only have one life to live. And especially yeah. as someone who has survived cancer, I feel like that must be, you know, so much more present for you, that reality that this is, this is it, you know, like I have one life to live and really choosing to devote and, and invest your time and your energy into something that really matters to you and something that you're passionate about. Yeah, so true. So true. I I think, yeah, when you're, when you're faced with those difficulties or when you're faced with death itself, it's like the other challenges it's, you understand it's like, well, nobody is dying in this situation. We're going to be okay. Our our basic needs are going to be met. We're going to be okay. You know, how can we, what adjustments can we make or change, you know, for our lives or our families? And yeah, that's, that's where the magic lies in those (laughs) moments. So you have two children, you said, Yes, I have a six-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy, Jasmine Aww. and Kai. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> so did you always plan on homeschooling them or how did that come about? How, like, how did you choose to homeschool? Because I know that's not a common, a common choice. Yeah. So I, I, it's funny, like, um, growing up, I always like babysat or I was always drawn to camps or, you know, I was always drawn to like working with kids and, um, And then when I had children of my own, I was like, man, it would be amazing one day. It was always like one day, like a 10 year plan. One day I'll, I'll, maybe I'll start a holistic health school. Cause I think that's so empowering to really incorporate, you know, more, a lot of things that we didn't learn in school, like how to manage stress, how to manage our health, how to manage our finances, you know, like so many things we just don't talk about in school that I think would be really empowering that we could incorporate into, you know, what we're already learning. Um, and, um, and then March, 2020 happened and, um, and then I thought, okay, well, I, uh, you know, and everybody, everything was locked down and, and here my, J- I had one in JK, one was at home with me and they said, okay, you know, she's got to go on the computer for two hours in the morning and two hours in the evening or in the afternoon. And you're going to have to sit with her. And I thought, ah, that's not going to work. <laughs> like, are you crazy? Yeah. Um, I'm like, you know, she's at the time she was five. You just turned five years old and she's supposed to spend four hours in front of the screen. I'm like, I, that didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And then when my, my son started that following September and then it was like the two of them and they had to use, you know, two separate computers. They couldn't even use the same one, two separate computers. And plus I work from home as well. So what, like three computers, oh you know, my yeah. And I thought, no, no, there's gotta be a different way. So that really, uh, you know, I, after that, I pulled my kids from school and then started homeschooling them. Wow. That's incredible. I've heard a lot of parents are, it seems like they kind of followed that same path as you, that homeschooling just wasn't on their radar, but then due to COVID and all these other things, they're just like, wait a second, this is, this does not make any sense. And I, I totally agree with you. I mean, to have elementary age children sitting on a computer all day long, it's just, 
it's completely illogical. Um, and actually, I, I worked with high school students. So with them, it was a little bit different. You know, they could navigate a computer and be on a computer for hours a day. And it wasn't, you know, a big deal. But I can't even imagine having a five-year-old and trying to make them sit on a computer for four hours a day and learn. I mean, it's just, it's not the way that little kids are designed to, to learn. No. Um, and plus class sizes are, are insane. Like oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not too sure where you are, but I'm in tr- like in Toronto area and, you know, class size are like, some of the teachers have like 38, you know, 30, 38 kids to like one teacher and one, you know, educational assistant, like that is insane. There's going to be so many kids falling through the cracks. And, um, and before when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was also working at the school board as well. And I saw so many kids struggling with mental health issues. And um, again, like just falling through the cracks because there's just not enough resources. Um, Another thing I found frustrating too, even growing up in the school system, I mean, I'm a white woman and there was no women like in, you know, in a lot of books. And I'm like, were there no women in history? (laughs) Like, do we not not exist? Never mind people of color and then the way things were taught. So there was a lot of like unlearning, um, you know, that I, that I needed to do as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really want to bring that into, you know, my, my kids' education. Yeah. Uh, I love that you said unlearning. And um, actually, there's a a phrase for that that I've shared um, in previous videos, but um, that's called de-schooling. Are you familiar with that term? No, no. No? Um, So de-schooling is actually the first process that most parents go through when they make that transition to homeschooling. And it is exactly what you just said, that unlearning of a lot of the things that we think that school is supposed to be or what learning is supposed to look like. And, um, and it's, it's a really, really important process for families that are transitioning to homeschool to, to have that time to really uh, reevaluate a lot of these, these beliefs that we have about the way learning is supposed to be or how we're supposed to do things. Um, and I'm, I'm curious, what does, um, what kinds of things have you felt like you have had to unlearn about schooling or learning in general, um, as you started this homeschool journey? Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, a lot of times when we're going through school, we're taught that we have to excel in like all areas. Like, you know, what did you get? Oh, you got A's and everything. Oh, what was that C in? Or what was that D in? And then all this energy gets focused on the C and the D. And and then it's like, well, what do you need to do to elevate that to get to an A? And it's like this constant state of competition, a constant state of like not feeling good enough as well, I think. Um, And when really like, I mean, if you're getting an A in art, and like a C in math, a lot of times we'll bring in the math tutors and it's like, no, get the, get the art tutor. That's what you're excelling. So really like focusing on the kids' strength that they don't need to be good at everything. What do they enjoy? What lights them up? Let's focus on those subjects the most because that's probably where they're going to be leaning into their career, you know, in the future as well. So I think that's a, a huge part is really focusing on their strengths. That is an absolutely mind-blowing revolutionary idea. And you're so right. I feel like, I mean, I've built an entire career tutoring children in subjects where they're struggling, you know, but I mean, to have a parent have that kind of perspective that it's okay if my child is not the math expert, like we can encourage them to pursue their strengths and cultivate those gifts and talents rather than just focusing on the areas that they're weak. Like we don't have to be an A student in everything. And we don't have to be great at everything. And we can look at our individual passions and talents and, and feed into those. I mean, what a revolutionary concept, you know, to, to be able to take that burden and that pressure off that you were mentioning before. That's beautiful. 
I'm yeah. wondering what, what things are your, what kinds of things are your children passionate and interested in? Yeah. My daughter, like, well, sometimes when she, even when she was one years old, she would sleep with books, like no teddy bears. Aww. It was books. <laughs> Sounds like a girl after my own heart. I love it. No, I love it. And she's very athletic. So she needs to be driven physically, but also like she loves reading and writing and she's so creative. My son could care less about writing. Um, and, and that's okay. Like, I mean, of course, we, you know, we practice and do whatever we can, but he loves like science. He loves experiments. So even today we were doing a, like a, a sugar crystal experiment and, and, and science is not my thing. I'm not super passionate about it, but I'm like, okay, this lights you up. Let's do this, you know? But um, yeah, so my son's really passionate about that um, and learning. He needs to understand why, like he's very strategic in his thinking, like, well, how is this made? Why was it made this way? Then, you know, could they have done it this way? So I love his like creativity and his strategic thinking. It is fascinating that, you know, even two children being raised by the same parents, they have so different interests and different passions and different ways that they like to learn about things, you know, blows my mind. I'm like, how did you come out of the same body? And exactly. So exactly. Man, yeah. it's so different. Yeah. Um, and it, you've shared a lot of different things that, um, that really just resonate with me. Like, uh, in my family, personally, we are unschoolers or world schoolers. And, um, and we've talked before about different homeschooling styles. I'm wondering, uh, what homeschooling style do you feel like you and your family use or incorporate? How would you describe your homeschooling style? Yeah. So at first I was like, okay, do I need to teach them like nine to three? And I'm like, that is not going to work. <laughs> That's way too long regardless. And, and I started looking even at like, while I'm working full time, um, I can be very productive in short bursts. So, you know, bursts of, of time throughout the day. So, I mean, we really kind of work around our schedule. So we have like a slow start, which I love because there's no panic to get out the door, like rush, grab your shoes, come on. Like, and it's like an angry start of the day where you're like rushing and yelling and, you know, um, so there's none of that. So there's a very like calm, we, we do like some meditation in the morning. Um, we do, you know, we make smoothies, we're taking our supplements. So I'm, I'm incorporating, you know, the health component as well. Um, and then they've got some playtime. They've got some relaxation. I'm doing some work and then I come back and we do some, um, workbook stuff or we'll do an experiment or I'll put like a, I don't know, like a treasure hunt or something. We go outside, have a walk in nature where they're trying to find stuff. Um, so we really kind of go with the flow and, and I check with their energy. Like if I know that they're really low, I'm not going to force them to do a workbook at that point. And it's like, well, well maybe we can go outside and get some fresh air. Maybe we need to take a nap, you know? So there really isn't, um, a hardcore uh, schedule. I'm, I'm really going on, um, uh, on, on my schedule, on their schedule, on moods, you know, um, and, and energy as well. That's beautiful. I think your, your children are very blessed to have you because you seem to be very in tune with that mental an emotional aspect of raising children, not just like business. And we're going to get through these works, but regardless of how you're feeling or what you're, what you're mentally or emotionally experiencing that day. Um, yeah. I'm wondering, how do you, how do you, how do you like guard and protect your children's mo mental and emotional health? Yes. 
first things first, I guard my own because mm. on, on days that I'm not taking care of myself, like I can walk into my children's room and see a mess. And I'd be like, come on guys. Like there's a mess. How many times have I asked you to clean this up? And they're like, can you help us? We're sorry, mom. I'm like, no, I can't help you. I've got a million things to do. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and, then, and then there's days where I'm like taking care of myself and I'm showing up for myself. So, and, and that looks different, but it could, you know, the basic in the morning is like some journaling, some meditation, yeah. um, and, and focusing on what I need to, to do. Like I'm part of like creating my day and not just reacting. Um, and, and so when I'm showing up for myself and I'm, I'm eating like healthy-ish when I'm, you know, getting enough sleep and whatever, it's not perfect, but when I'm focusing on my needs and I'm meeting my needs, I have more love for myself. I have more compassion for myself. I have more forgiveness for myself. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, you didn't sleep well last night, Charlotte. Don't worry if you don't get all the stuff on your to-do list today. Like, relax. And so I'm showing myself forgiveness and compassion. And when I'm able to show it to myself, then I'm able to show it to my kids. So when they have their big, loud emotions, I can stay very calm and say, well, you know what? You had a rough night's sleep. Can I give you a hug? Instead of like, come on, you know, get in order. And this is what we need to do. Um, So it starts with me first. And the more understanding that I have for myself, the more, you know, understanding I have, um, for my kids. That's, that's beautiful. And I think you definitely hit the nail on the head that it it does. It starts with us. And I, I definitely can say I've experienced that same thing too, where, you know, it'll be like one day my daughter will do something. And because I'm like out of alignment, you know, with my own self and I haven't taken time to care for myself, And I respond, you know, with impatience or anger or frustration. Whereas if the same thing would have happened on a different day, like her actions aren't changing at all, but my own self, you know, like my experience of her and my own issues are coming up and showing up in these different ways for her. And, and literally, I mean, it's so telling because it's like, the problem isn't with what she's doing. The problem is the way that I'm reacting or responding to whatever it is that my, my daughter's doing or not doing in that moment, you know? Yes. Yes. And it also, it can come from our own like childhood programming as well. Like if we weren't able to question authority, if we weren't able to talk back or, or question saying, well, that's not right. I need to let my dog out. <laughs> He's trapped in the room here. Um, but if we weren't allowed to, to question, um, you know, then, then, you know, it can be challenging or very hard to hear our own kids questioning our authority, but sometimes they bring up valid points. Well, you know, we don't have to do that. And I'm like, yes, you true. You <laughs> don't have to do that. You know, So it's like a lot of checking myself. Mm. Uh, sorry. I just need to, no worries. Go oh, for it. I can, I can pause. Okay. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You know, when, when we're not, um, when we're not, you know, taking care of ourselves and things like that, it definitely does have an impact on, on our children and the way that we're responding to them. And, and that whole questioning authority thing is, is so true. I mean, I was definitely raised with that same environment of like, you know, you, you do what mom and dad say the moment that they say no questions asked, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience. I don't know if you've heard that before. Um, but that was a very popular phrase in my house. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Um, and I, I know for a lot of parents, you know, it can be very triggering when they're, when their children are questioning them. Um, and, and one of the things like I've, I've really tried to share with my children is that, you know, it, it is important to question authority, even me, but the way that you do it is what makes a difference. Yes. Um, and how do yes. you, how do you teach and, and help your children understand how they can question you as an authority figure in their life? Um, 
I mean, how do you navigate that in a way that doesn't trigger that emotional response in you? Yes. Great question. Like, so I'm, I'm always saying to them, like, it's okay to be angry. Like I want them to know that anger is a good emotion. It's just a matter of how we're releasing that emotion. So it's okay to be wow. angry, but it's not okay to hurt yourself, to hurt others, you know, with your words or with your hands. So I'm, I'm constantly saying that to them. And, and even like, even with my own, like I work with moms too, but with, with my own moms and with my, myself, like I encourage everybody to have like healthy tantrums. Cause a lot of times when we're like, it's fine, everything's fine we're going to get through this. I'm going to think positive, like everything's fine. And we're ignoring like a big old, like rock in our shoe. And we're kind of like walking through life going, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm going to get through this. And it's like, no, we've got to acknowledge that big rock and get it out. And a lot of times when we're like storing those emotions in our body, stored emotions becomes anxiety and stored anxiety becomes depression, stored depression can turn into like illness or disease in the body. So I never want my kids to ignore those emotions. I want them to get it out in a healthy way. And I might say to them like, Hey, do you want to scribble on some paper? If they're like frustrated or, you know, do you want to, I'll sometimes I'll put ice in a reusable grocery bag. That one's my favorite. Cause you hear like the ice crunching, <laughs> you know? like, do you want to hit this? So I, I'll help them get their frustrations out in a, in a good way, but um, or I'll give them, you know, an alternative. Yes, you could, which way it sounds better to you. And then I might mimic them, like how they behaved. I might like roll on the ground or yell or scream or whatever. Um, and then I say, or you can say it this way. And I give them the alternative. I'm like, which one feels better to you? Um, cause when you're doing this, I can't hear what you're saying. I'm just seeing what you're doing. So it's really hard for people to understand you. So I try and like, you know, get down on their level and, and, and get it out you know, in healthy ways, normalize it. Those are some really, really incredible strategies and useful strategies. I'm, I'm going to have to try the one about the ice. You said you just put it in a Ziploc bag and have them hit it or. Um, yeah. You know, like those reusable grocery bags. Yeah. You know? And then you can. Yeah. Cause, um, cause then the bag won't split or break and you can put a bunch of ice in there and then just hit it. So even for us moms, I mean, we've, uh, many of us were like burnt out already, you know, before 18 months ago. And then 18 months hits and it's like, whoa, you know, yeah. there's just so much coming at us. So a lot of times we need to get that energy out before we can move to like, well, what were the lessons here? And what can I take away from this? It's like, we can't get to the lessons until we really feel what we're feeling and really be honest with ourselves and say, yes, I am angry or I am frustrated or I am sad. And how can I get this out in a healthy way? And a lot of times if we're feeling it 10 out of 10, we have to get it out 10 out of 10, mm. you know? So sometimes it could just be like scribbling or having a nice talk with our friend. Cause we felt it, you know, two out of 10 and we got it out two out of 10. But a lot of times if it's really pent up, then we need to like, get it out, you know, 10 out of 10 physically. Yeah, it's like it's blowing my mind. Literally. I have never heard anyone use the phrase healthy tantrum before, like <laughs> ever. I mean, that's a revolutionary idea to really give yourself permission to express those emotions in a healthy way and not try to suppress those, those feelings and those emotions. I mean, I know for myself, um, and I'm sure a lot of people that are listening, we're taught and we're told that that anger is a bad emotion and that we shouldn't be feeling angry and that we don't have a right to express our anger, whether that be, you know, yelling or I don't know, any of these different ways that we we feel anger and, and, and we do like, we just, I feel like we suppress a lot of those negative emotions or things we label as a negative emotion, but you're right. It's not the emotion itself that, that is bad. It's the way that we're 
expressing that and releasing, as you said, that's a great word, the way that we're releasing those emotions. Um, But I like that, you know, giving yourself that permission to be at a two out of 10 or release at a 10 out of 10 if you need to. Um, How do you release emotions at a 10 out of 10? I mean, what what would you say would be a healthy way to release them? You know, when you're like at that brinking point that you're like, I can't, I can't. Yes. When I'm at that breaking point, I make a promise to myself never to make any decisions because nothing good is going to come from making decisions. Like, should I stay friends with this person? Should I stay in this relationship? Should I leave my job? You know, should I pull the money from my bank? Like, no, don't make any big decisions when you're in that state. And the the first thing you need to do is is release that, that emotion. So you could put on angry music and like, you know, dance and kind of stomp around. You could smash a pillow. Um, You can, again, smash the ice. You can scribble. Um, you could pull out a journal and just be like that mother, you know, and just kind of like get it all out, like swearing scribble. Like when I'm journaling like that, it it just looks like scribble, but I'm, you know, I'm getting all those words and those thoughts and those, you know, um, whether it's like, you know, a sense of injustice or worry or, you know, whatever it is, and I'm getting it out on paper. And once I feel like I've calmed down again, then I kind of turn into my own parent and I'm like, okay, I kind of talk to my inner child and I'm like, okay, baby girl, like, what do you need? Do you need sleep? Do you need some water? Oh yeah. I haven't had any water today. Okay. Let's drink some water. You know, have you eaten anything? Do you need to take a bath? Like, what can I do to like nurture myself just so I feel safe again? Because a lot of times when we finally release that, we feel very vulnerable. Stress is you know, stress is the adult word for fear. So the opposite of that is feeling loved and feeling safe. So it's really important for us to, to feel loved and to feel safe. Um, and when we do, then we can show up and, you know, and, and be that for our kids as well. Oh my goodness. You're sharing so many different incredible practical strategies that I know a lot of people probably haven't had any experience in, in using a lot of these strategies, at least I know in my own experience, I was not raised with any of those strategies. I'm wondering, like, did you have those strategies growing up or how did you, how did you, what was your experience growing up and how did you learn these strategies? Yeah. So growing up, um, my parents split up at a young age. So I was raised by a single mom with two brothers and she was exhausted. Like she worked long hours. She had three kids to take care of. And, um, and I love my mom done lots of healing. So I have no anger, no resentment whatsoever. Now back then I did. You know? <laughs> and, um, and a lot of emotions that my mom shared was just like emotionally kind of closing off. Cause she was just like, this is too much to handle. I just need to, to shut off emotionally. She had nothing left in us to kind of you know, pour into us. So there wasn't like a hugging environment. It wasn't, um, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of yelling. Um, I also experienced some sexual abuse growing up as well. And there was just like, you know, you just kind of store all of that in your body. And then when I became a teenager, I mean, I was angry. I was angry. I was scared of the world. I was like, is this person going to hurt me? Is this okay? Am I safe here? Like I was constantly in survival mode for so long. Um, and then I was in a, a relationship for like seven years and we were trying to get pregnant and it didn't work out. And, and then I jumped into another relationship and I was like, somebody please love me, you know, cause I don't know how to love myself. And then boom, I got hit with cancer and cancer ended up being my like ugly miracle because it brought everything to the surface. It's like, well, why did I get cancer? Why did this happen? Like, You must have had it in your family. I didn't have it in my family. So why did I get it? And I remember talking to my oncologist and I said, well, you know, what else can I do besides surgery, chemo and, and radiation? I said, what, you know, he's like, well, nothing, just show up and get your treatment. I was like, that doesn't sound right. I said, well, what about diet? What about nutrition? He said, Charlotte, diet has nothing to do with your health. And I was like, what? 
And I was angry because I was like, buddy, like, I know if I eat like crap, I feel like crap. And, yeah. you know, not only like bloated or whatever, but I'm also cranky. And if I eat well, then I, I know it has a direct impact. So like that made no sense to me. So that really forced me to dive into the holistic health world. Um, plus my background was in mental health for a reason, because I, I wanted to dive into my own healing. But mm. once I started combining them, like, oh my goodness, we are storing so many emotions in our body, ex especially women, because women tend to be, you know, we're taught to be like good little girls, like be a good little girl, do what you're told people, please go see if they need any help, you know, and we store so much in our bodies. Um, but when we really step into our power and start learning how to release that in healthy ways, mm. this is where we start breaking that generational pattern and we set up new structures, new, you know, belief systems for our own children. So I, I really believe it starts with, with us. That's, that's amazing. And you, you know, you're talking about how our body like holds on to this trauma and you're absolutely right. I was, I was reading a book a couple months ago called the body keeps the score. I don't know. Have you read that oh. one? No, I'm writing that down though. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll put a link in the notes. So if anyone is interested in that book, it's called the body keeps the score and it is it speaks to exactly that of how our body remembers the, the trauma that we experienced as children growing up, even before we can consciously remember that, that trauma. And it does, it has a physical impact on our bodies. Um, and I've heard of a lot of people think that a lot of times that cancer sometimes can be a result of that, you know, like having that trauma that's suppressed and then our body's not able to detox, you know, appropriately. And, um, what a, what a, what a courageous thing for you to be able to be in the situation of dealing with cancer and then looking to go back to those roots of, of health and healing and wellness, um, as a part of that healing for you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people avoid it because they think like, well, this is going to be too painful. This is going to be too overwhelming. So I don't want to deal with it. And it doesn't have to be that way. It can be actually much faster. Um, and again, my background is in, in, in mental health and I was in that industry for almost 10 years. Um, and it's a very long drawn out process when we're talking about the past or when we're trying to like label people, like you are anxious, you are depressed. And people are like, yeah. I am anxious. And mm. not once in my cancer journey, did I ever say like, I am cancer. I never mm -hmm. owned that statement, but with mental health, we really get people to own that. And it becomes very difficult to like break through. Um, and, and that I always found, you know, frustrating working in that industry. Um, mm. so when we're looking at our past and healing that past, it does not have to be this long drawn out painful process. It's like small little tweaks here and there. And it's very, very powerful. It's really interesting how you make that distinction between like having a feeling or having a diagnosis versus having that be your identity, you know, being those things. And you're right. We don't say I am cancer. We say I have cancer. And, yeah. and I remember even with my daughter, when we talk about feelings, you know, growing up, I would say all the time, like, Oh, I'm so angry. You know, I'm so angry or I'm so frustrated. It's like, no, I'm feeling angry right now. Like I can feel yeah. this emotion, but that emotion is not me. I am not angry. I'm yeah. feeling angry right now, but I'm not angry. Um, and, and actually another really good resource too, that I got, if you're struggling with anger or someone who's struggled with anger, um, I bought this book for my daughter. Cause I was just really having a hard time helping her process her anger in a healthy way. And um, I will link this in the, sh in the show notes as well, but there's a book, it's like a workbook for kids about anger and anger, man, I think it's called anger measure. I'll have to get the title. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was like an anger book for kids. 
and it has like 40 lessons in it or something like that. And the first lesson that it had us do was it had us draw a picture of our anger. And yeah. I drew this like monster, you know, and my daughter did too. Like we both drew this like scary monster, you know, and the whole point of the first lesson was that we view anger as this monster, but it's, it's not. And they said how a lot of times anger is, is our friend. It's an important emotion for us to have. And there are times that our anger has saved our life, you know? And so I'm like, I bought this workbook to try to help my daughter with her anger. And I'm sitting here in the first lesson, bawling my eyes out, like, you know, and they're like, introduce yourself to your anger and thank uh, anger for the role that it's played in your life. And I was just like, I never thought about it that way before, you know, I'm being able to, to view anger as this emotion that is separate from who I am um, and being able to value that emotion for the role that it's played in keeping me alive, you know? Yes. Oh man, that's so powerful. I, I was, uh, I was watching this show on Gaia on the weekend, like some documentary thing. And, and, um, and they were talking about our two basic emo- um, emotions, you know, when we first, whatever humans became humans, um, was fear and frustration. And I was like, yeah, like they couldn't think of better emotion. And then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, oh man, like fear is that, that need for survival. Like that's what keeps us alive. And it's like, okay, I'm scared. What can I do? Um, and then that frustration, if we hit that wall of frustration with anger or, you know, whatever that looks like, it's like, well, how can I solve this issue? How can I get creative and solve it? So yeah, I love that you're saying, oh, anger is our friend. And it's like, I, yeah, even when I was, you know, even knowing what I know, but even on the weekend, my mind was still blown. I was like, oh my goodness. Yes, it's so true. It's working for us, not against us. Mm. Yeah, and like we don't have to be afraid of fear. That's a really cool, cool way to look at it. I mean, I've never thought about that either. Too fear and and frustration, and how those have helped uh, all of us to get to where we are. You know, and yeah. like emotions that we should be avoiding, but that we can kind of step into fear and step into frustration um, as a way to break through those things and and use them to our advantage, as you mentioned. Yeah. So good. Um, so it seems like you have a lot of real gentle parenting principles. Is that correct? Um, I do. Yeah. You would would call yourself a gentle, a gentle parent, I guess. I have yeah, never used those terms before, but I'm definitely, yeah, I guess I would say like a, a conscious or a compassionate, you know, mom, I'm very, yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of my feelings, their feelings, you know, what's really going on here. If I'm getting frustrated, it's always me, never them. So what mm-hmm. can I do to nurture me? So that's always like my big red flag. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that that's really cool. So, um, I actually, I'm, I'm a gentle parenting author and that's been something that's been, um, really important for me, you know, being able to have that kind of relationship with my children, like you mentioned, of just being able to reflect on, on my own emotions and my own struggles as a mom and realizing how my, my emotions are impacting my children and their day and, and things like that. And um, so I'm wondering what are some other strategies that you use to help you when you're dealing with your own big emotions? Yeah. Um, when I love that term, gentle parenting, like, yeah, that's amazing. Um, so when I have my big emotions, or even when my kids, if I'm taking care of myself, then I'm usually pretty good with my kids. And when they're having their big emotions, I always try and like offer options. So it's never like, you have to do this. I'm like, okay, would you rather do this or this? What feels right for you? Or do you need some time alone? I never say like time out. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, do you want some, you know, quiet time? Um, I go, just think about what, what you're feeling and come out whenever you're ready. So 
it's never like a punishment, but it's definitely time to reflect, you know? Um, and, um, I'm trying to think what else do I do? Yeah. It's usually like choice. And a lot of times when they're having like tantrums and they think like, just leave me alone. I said, okay, I will leave you alone. Can I just give you a hug before I leave? And they're like, I don't want one. And I said, okay, I'm just going to give you a quick one. And then I'm, and then usually when I, you know, just kind of soften them in, they just kind of like, you know, melt into my arms or sometimes they need space and I walk away, but it's usually like what kind of, you know, form of like physical touch can I give them? Mm. you know, hugging or, or even just, you know, just touching their head, letting know that I'm here from to them. We also have this book. I can't remember what it is, but in the book, it talks about like, I love you when you're angry. I love you when you're sad. And so I have those types of conversations with them afterwards. Um, just reinforcing, like, you don't just have to be a good girl for me to love you or a good boy. You know, I'm going to love you through all of the, the messiness of, you know, growing. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, um, I like that you mentioned timeout as well, because I know that's a very popular parenting strategy. And I was raised with timeouts. And when I first had my daughter, uh, that was, you know, when I, I had decided early on that I was not going to spank her. Um, actually, I, I kind of stumbled my way into gentle parenting because I was researching the Bible, what the Bible says about how to spank. And it was in researching the Bible that I was like, wait a second, there is no biblical basis to hit my child. Um, and so I, I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to spank her, what am I going to do? And it was like, timeout was the thing, you know, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I guess we'll just do timeouts, you know? And, um, but, but I kind of took a similar approach to you as well. You know, a lot of times we use timeouts in this punitive way of like, you did something bad. So I'm going to send you away into this corner until you, you know, feel bad enough or whatever. Um, (laughs) We just like isolate our kids, but I love that you, you use that not as a punitive measure, but as a way of, of self-care again, you know, that's another strategy that we can use for self-care. Cause I, even as adults, like if I'm having a hard time, I need a timeout, like I need a break, you know? Yes. And, and so that's beautiful that we can still use that strategy of timeout, but the way that we're using that strategy is what makes the difference. You know, am I using timeout as a way to punish my child or hurt them or try to shame them or humiliate them? Yeah. Um, or am I using timeout as a strategy, as a coping strategy, teaching them that removing yourself from a stressful situation or from, you know, a toxic environment or whatever, like that is a a way that you can care for yourself and, um, and process, you know, some of those emotions in a healthy way. Yes. I love that. And I love that you said like, yeah, even I need quiet time. And and I'll say that to my kids, like, oh, I'm just feeling a little frustrated. I I just need some quiet time. So they see me using that as well. Another big thing that I did not growing up, I did not grow up with was apologizing. (laughs) I was just never said in our house. (laughs) It was just like, don't talk to each other. Okay. It's gone now, maybe two days later. And it's like, okay, now we can talk. So, um, so even like, if I, if I get mad at them and then I'll go back in and say, you know what, I'm really sorry. I was tired. I was feeling frustrated. It wasn't right for me to, you know, express my anger that way. Um, Mm -hmm. so they see me modeling, um, you know, apologies and, and seeing them do it too, like lights me up. Um, do you, do you like make them apologize or is that something that they just kind of naturally organically do because you've been modeling that for them? I'll, I'll encourage. I don't say like, right. Like, okay, you've got to go apologize. Like there's none of that, but I'll say like, when you're ready, are you, can you please apologize? Let's mm-hmm. apologize. Cause it wasn't fair for, you know, for her to feel this way or to, you know, to get hit or whatever it is. Um, and I don't force them to do it, but when they've gotten to that calm state and they're feeling a little bit better, then I'll see them, you know, go up to one another and be like, sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah for doing that. So <laughs> they I do it. They do it on their terms, not when I want them to do it, but I, I I'll gently encourage them for sure. 
I love that. That's beautiful. And I think even you modeling that is so, so, so important. Um, I, I don't know what it was. I feel like our, the generation of our parents, um, that just was not a thing. Like, you know, it was like this real separation of parents as this authority and that, you know, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've talked to other people and they're like, my parents never apologized to us ever. Like that was like unheard of. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, what a beautiful gift to be able to give your kids of being able to, as an adult, be able to admit when we're wrong and to ask for forgiveness and to look for ways that we can make it right. You know, that's that in itself is another beautiful skill um, that we can teach our children through modeling that for them. Yeah. And it gets some questioning authority. Like even if people in authority can make mistakes. So like question everything, if it doesn't feel yeah. right, question it. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely need a lot more of that nowadays. Um, Cause you know, and actually that was a big part of of why we chose to homeschool was that same idea of that, you know, in the school system, we're taught you cannot question authority. Like the teacher's always right. The student's yeah. always wrong. The teacher's yeah. the one who has all the truth. The students are the ones that are there to learn. Like they don't really have valuable things to contribute. It's, it's so, um, you know, just kind of shoving that idea of, of respecting authority, no matter what, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done or what anything. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, a, definitely an area that we need to change in our schooling systems is giving children the opportunity and the right um, to be able to question anything and everyone, um, but to do it in a way that is, yeah. you, you can do that in a way that's respectful and kind and considerate. And, you know, you don't have to be rude <laughs> to question authority. Yeah. Um, no, I, that's a powerful skill to teach because otherwise, you know, you're not thinking for yourself. And that's, that, that's when like, you know, that's dangerous. It really is. Cause then you're just, you know, following the masses and it's like, no, don't just follow. It's like question, question, everything, everything I'm saying, everything you're learning, everything you're reading, question everything. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely say that to my daughter too. Like I'll tell her, you know, like you have a right to question everything, including me. Um, yeah. and, and again, there's a way that you can do that, you know, and, yes. um, but it, it, it is, it's a, it's a skill that we have to teach our children and we can't teach our children that skill. If we ourselves are not open to practicing that skill. Yes. Uh, and so to who, whoever is listening, um, I just want to encourage you to remember, um, that, that, that skill of questioning everything starts with you. We cannot teach that to our children unless we ourselves are willing to really look at why we're doing things the way that we're doing. Why are things the way that they are? Um, how are we responding to these different situations? You know, who says that's another great question. Who says, who says that you have to do X, Y, Z, or that you have to parent in this way, or that your child has to learn in this way or whatever, you know, like we really are free. Yeah. I got goosebumps. That was powerful. That was powerful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, and so, I mean, you're a couple of years into your homeschooling journey now. Um, are you planning to continue homeschooling throughout the rest or will you kind of reevaluate going back to school in the future? Do you think? I, I cannot see my kids ever returning to public school. Um, <laughs> ever. <laughs> um, you know, unless they choose to maybe later on or whatever, then that's a discussion, you know, to be had, but, um, but right now, um, no, no, I don't see that. And I, um, I, I, there's a lot, there's some, um, holistic health schools, like holistic schools around us. Um, but just some of the mandates right now, I'm, I'm, uh, 
I, yeah, I wouldn't want my kids in, in, in that school board just yet. So, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. And ideally I would like to, um, to bring in a teacher into our home. Um, like I've, you know, I've got JK and SK in grade one, and I don't know how much longer I've got. So <laughs> we might have to bring in reinforcements. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's, um, pods are like all the rage now, right? Yes. Like I know parents are forming, starting to form pods all over the place. Um, you know, just for that very reason, you know, like they're looking at the environment that, that their children are in. And to be honest, I think it's one of the best things to ever come from COVID. I, I feel like yes. as parents for the first time are really starting to question authority, starting to question, yes. why are we doing this the way that we're doing it? Why yes. are we teaching our children in this way? Why are we forcing them to do X, Y, Z? Why are we making them do all these different things that yes. are not, you know, beneficial in their real actual daily life, um, yeah. like you mentioned before. And so, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that we're finally in this place now that, that we're being forced to, to consider these things and start thinking outside the box and yeah. getting our kids out of this educational box. We've been squeezing them in for so long. Yeah. Those ugly miracles pop up and really like benefit us. You know, and <laughs> I've, I've connected with some other moms and, and pods and the kids are a little bit younger, but it's, it's so nice. Um, feeling supported by and connecting with other moms, like learning pods with other like like-minded moms that are, you know, thinking outside the box um, or, you know, exchanging ideas and things like that. So you don't, cause it, you know, so you don't feel alone <laughs> as well, like during this time, yeah. it's a lot, especially if you're still working from home and you're homeschooling, like it's a lot. So you need to like unplug. And when you can plug into a community that's doing similar things, it's yeah, it's powerful. How are you able to find or build community around you? I know that's a big concern for a lot of people that are starting homeschooling is like, oh, I'm worried my kid won't be able to socialize or I'm worried they're not going to have friends. Um, How do you build community and help avoid those issues of not socializing or not having friends? Yeah, it's, it's funny not socializing because, you know, the kids that it started, you know, JK and SK, like they haven't even seen their teacher's faces, you know, it's like, they don't even know what there is. And, and especially when they're younger and you're learning like how to speak and, and how to, um, uh, you know, using, um, um, tone and whatever else, you know, to learn how to speak and watching the, the way the mouth moves, like we've lost all of that, um, which can be really challenging. So it's funny that socialization looks so different, even in, you know, in traditional schooling as well, but I've connected with other moms. Like we go to like a variety of playgrounds. I have a lot of, um, I I shouldn't say I have a lot, but I have a handful of friends that, um, that are all like pulling their kids as well. And and they're in similar, um, ages and stages. So, um, we'll connect as well with other kids. Um, they've got cousins as well that we'll hang out with. So I do, I'm definitely conscious and, and aware that they, they, they desire it. Like they want that socialization. So they, they still get it. <laughs> they still get it. That's uh-huh. for sure. That's awesome that you're, you're building this community and that you have other friends and family members that are close by that can kind of partner with you on this journey and, and let you know, like you're, you're not alone. Like, and you don't uh-huh. have to be alone when you homeschool, you're not on this Island somewhere. Like you really can create uh-huh. these beautiful opportunities for friendships and relationships and community. Um, not just for your children, but also for you, as you mentioned, connecting with other moms and how, how important that is for us as moms to, to build relationships and have other friends that are on the same page with us that can walk with us as we go on this journey together. Um, I I, want to ask you to, you know, now that you've been in this for a couple of years now, what advice would you give to a mom or a dad who is thinking about homeschooling? 
The first thing I would say is that homeschooling can fit into your schedule and into your child's schedule, that it does not need to be like the structured day where it's like nine to three, this is what we're doing this hour, next hour, like that is going to cause a lot of stress. You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, a lot of pressure on the kids as well. Um, so really like make the schedule work for, for you. Like we'll, we'll still have like, you know, themes, we'll still have like, you know, we have an idea of what we want to accomplish each day. Um, but we really go with the flow. So I think if you're, if you're really trying to be gentle and compassionate with yourself, you know, go with the flow, um, and go, what feels right. And, um, and connect with others, connect with others that are in the similar situation. That's wonderful, wonderful advice. Someone that I wish someone would have told me to a long, a long time ago when I was beginning, because I definitely wanted to do that structured learning, like you mentioned from the beginning. And and you're you're so right. Like, and, and again, that goes back to that de-schooling process, right? Of of looking at this is the way that we've been taught that learning is or what it's supposed to look like or how fast or how slow they're supposed to be and where a kid is supposed to be in first grade or second grade or whatever and being able to question that and and reflect on those things and know it doesn't have to look like that learning doesn't have to look like sitting at this table for from nine yeah. to three doing these workbooks doing these worksheets it can look like doing super fun science experiments with your mom or <laughs> going on a nature hike outside, like that is just as valuable learning as sitting at the table doing a boring math worksheet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that to someone this morning. I'm like, like, when do you always do math? I'm like, we went for a long drive on the weekend and we, and I was giving them math problems and they were like using both their hands and figuring it out. Like so there was a math lesson, like as we were driving. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times there. I feel like those are more you know, those are more fun, you know, like when you're driving yes. and it's like this game that you're playing, but I know if yes. I were to ask, you know, if I were to try to get my daughter to do the exact same math problems by like, sit down and do this worksheet right now and have that, like that force and that manipulation yes. of her, of her time and that control, like trying to control her learning of math, it, yes. would, it would not, it would not go well for either. No. It's like resist, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And I'm like, learning yeah. should be fun. If you're miserable and I'm miserable, something Something's wrong. Like yes. something's off, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Learning should be fun. And that's it. It should be. It should be. And it is like true, yeah. authentic learning is fun. And it's something that we enjoy. Like we shouldn't have to force or coerce learning at all. Um, and if yeah. we're trying to force and coerce our children to learn, I mean, that's it's just going to kill that innate desire that our children are born with, with that love of, of learning and that natural curiosity that all kids have, you know, when they're first born. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful way for us to connect with our own inner child. And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, this can be fun. Okay, cool. Let's do this experiment. Okay, cool. Let's go find some animal prints in nature, you know? <laughs> and it's like a great way for us to be like, take it, you know, take it light and take it easy and, um, and connect with our own inner child. I love that. Um, I can relate to that too, because, you know, as a homeschooling mom, yes, we want to teach our children, but, you know, I'm, I'm learning new things too all the time. And um, so I'm wondering, what is one thing that you feel like you have learned as a homeschool mom? Um, well, I just learned how to do a volcano yesterday. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 
Okay. Volcano. Um, uh, and, and it, what's funny too, is that, you know, I, I grew up in French immersion, like going to French school, but it, you know, it's, I, I'm in my mid forties now. So it's been like a long time since I've spoken French or even Spanish in university. And, um, but now I'm teaching them French. So I feel like I'm relearning the basics and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I get this so much easier now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so funny how things that we learn as an adult, I, I don't know what it is. It's just like relearning it, but it's like easier the, the second yes. time around. I don't know. I don't know. Pressure, I think, right? Of being that the best or getting the A's or yeah. That is so true. I remember I was helping this girl. Um, you know, she I was helping this girl who was homeschooling and um and she was in high school and she was taking an algebra two class. And I oh. think I got like a C in algebra two when I was in school, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but when I was going through it again with her, I mean, at this point, I'm like, I haven't done algebra two since I was in high school. That was 10 years yeah. ago. I don't remember yeah. any of this, Yeah. You know, but I was going through it again with her and I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to relearn this right alongside of you. And yeah. she ended up getting a hundred percent in the class. And I was going through it. And I'm like, why did I think this was so hard? Like, it, it's not that, you know, it, it wasn't that yeah. it was hard, but it was like coming back to it 10 years later with a desire to learn it. Like, yeah. I was like, I want to learn this because I had to teach her how to do this. So I have to figure it out. No. <laughs> yes. So I true. It was like, Oh, this wasn't as hard as I thought it, it was, you know? Yeah. So true. So true. I love it. Um, well, I, I know that you have to go take care of your children, but I want to thank you so very much for sharing your time, sharing your story, sharing your life, all these incredible strategies. I'm like going to write them all down (laughs) so that I can share these with people. You've really given us a lot of powerful, practical tips to be able to care for ourselves and to care for our children. Um, and I'm so blessed and honored to have met you and to have been able to have shared this last, you know, 45 minutes or whatever with you. Um, before we go, I want to ask you, is there any way, um, if someone is listening and they're like, man, I really want to connect with Charlotte. Um, is there any way that people can connect with you? Are you on Facebook, Instagram? Yeah. So, um, I've got my website healthashiro.com, and I'm also on Instagram health underscore Shiro. And I've got, uh, you know, a few, um, free resources there as well. So feel free to go in and grab some other coping strategies to help with stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I've got like a, you know, a free training there as well that you can check out. That's wonderful. And I will make sure that I include links for all of those different websites. And that was Shiro, like S H E R O, like a she hero. That's right. Yeah. Cause that's my whole, like, yeah, theory. I think like women need to come and save themselves instead of waiting for Prince Charming or whatever. And it's like, no, let's save ourselves. And then we can empower our kids to do the same. Absolutely. That's beautiful. (laughs) All right. Well, I want to make sure that I include all of Charlotte's links in the description for you so you can get connected with her and take advantage of those free resources that she is sharing with us so graciously. In addition to all this free, amazing advice that she's just given us in these last 45 minutes. Um, But thank you so very much, Charlotte. And I want to thank you to everyone who is listening. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. I truly hope that this episode has been as much of a blessing for you as it was for me. Um, Remember that new episodes are released every single Tuesday. And so make sure that you subscribe so you will not miss a single one. All right. I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Join us next Tuesday on the Peaceful World Schooling Podcast. 
I'm your host, Angela Harders, and I hope that your day is as wonderful as you are. If you like this video, please make sure you subscribe and click the bell so you will not miss out on a single episode.